From 2 Corinthians 13, 13, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We are so glad that you are seeking God with us, and we pray that the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you. I am Brian Niebank, pastor of Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. I thank you for joining us today as we seek to walk together with God, expressing our love in Bible study and prayer, living the life of the church and serving others and worshiping God. May God bless you today. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is time to line up choose teams. Perhaps it is time to think back to grade school when you may have done this. Or maybe you have been in an adult club or uh, varsity team or an adult team. Wherever it is, when someone chooses you to be on your team, you are excited. It's like Braxton and Trent were today, right? Excited. You feel valued. You feel wanted. You feel needed. Do you remember or can you imagine thinking, I hope I get picked? Some, as the first selections are made, start thinking, I hope I get to be on that person's team because that person is really good and they'll help us win. Have you ever been that person left at the end? Who is the second to last or even the last to be chosen? If it seems like no one wants you, it can actually affect your playing ability. You play like you believe your ability is. If people are always encouraging you, you'll probably play better and if people are always saying, oh, that person's better than you, you're no good at this. Because that just changes your attitude. And attitude is half of ability. When you are chosen last, it often gives a statement to what others believe your ability to be. Many gym teachers and coaches have revised this system today to count off by twos or however many teams need to be formed in order to eliminate the defeat of whoever is inevitably chosen last. This way, everyone feels like an equal on the team, and no one feels better or worse than anyone else necessarily, unless, of course, you still have those people who put people down or... or uh, I believe in their ability based on their performance from last time, but that is unavoidable in full. But at least 
by counting off by twos, we eliminate some of the defeat that can be chosen or that can be felt. Now, lucky for us, God only has to count off by ones, not by twos or by threes, because God only creates one team. God does not form the Methodist team, the Baptist team, the Pentecostal team, and the Congregational team. That's us, the people, who choose to create those teams amid the one team that God considers us all a part of. And do you feel like you are one of the accepted on a team? If you are one of the captains choosing players for your team, do you accept anyone who comes to you, even if they don't have a very good ability at the sport? In ministry, we can all think of God as the ultimate captain, but because there are so many people, God needs to appoint something like sub-captains to help God out. Have you ever been in a large mega church where there are too many people for the pastor or the elders to keep track of and to make welcome in the church? And they rely, the pastor or pastors, often in these churches there's five or six pastors, uh, and they often appoint other people to welcome people to maybe give them a gift and to ask people if they want to join this group or that group. It's like a welcoming committee. Now, just like we have sub-captains in churches like those, in bigger churches, God asks us on on God's grander scale to be us, to be our, or to be his captains as well. And since we are also captains in ministry, it is we are all called to be ministers, even if we're not ordained or licensed or whatever, we all can minister the gospel, spread the news of the gospel to the rest of the world. And since we are also captains in ministry, we are called to welcome extravagantly. In stating that we are a church of extravagant welcome, the United Church of Christ writes that Jesus didn't turn people away, neither do we. This is an essential part of who God calls us to be as part of God's team. In Isaiah, at the end of the prophecy of a return to Jerusalem, we see a message of extravagant welcome. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the people. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you or nations that do not know you shall run to you. You shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Even when we do not know someone, we welcome them. We include them. And even when they do not know our God or understand our God in the way that we understand God, we still embrace them and welcome them to be part of us. 
The prophet continues, Let the wicked forsake their way, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord. The psalmist implies that our own exclusion of them may be preventing them from forsaking their own way. That is, those who Isaiah considers wicked in the gospel, those who do not follow the way of the Lord. And we don't want our own exclusion of them to prevent them from finding the way of the Lord. If someone has sinned and has found a way other than the way of the Lord, they are not going to change their path if they do not see another path open, wide open for them. If they only see one path, they're going to keep following that path because that is all that is laid open for them. We need to open up a separate path, another option for them to be able to choose. And this path is not to come here, you need to repent here and now, right in front of me, or else you cannot take this path. We may go there eventually, but if we go there right away, it gives pressure. The path instead, without too much pressure, is to just come here and just be. Check it out. No pressure. There are some wonderful people here who would love to meet you. It is not our job to push someone away or to judge. It is just our job to embrace and to welcome and to love. So far this Lent, we have touched on two themes. First, remember what God has done for you. Remember the moments where God has met you in trials, in joys, and in your fears. But when you do find yourself slipping and you find yourself afraid, we come to the need for our second theme. Repent. Repent of your fears so that you can again place all of your assurances in God. If you are afraid of the future, if you do not know what is next, place all of your assurances in God. Our third theme is that we need to learn to accept everyone regardless of their race, belief, custom, or background. We do not need to accept their beliefs and customs or not hold them accountable for a shady past, but we need to express extravagant welcome. Whoever comes into our life should feel like we welcomed them. Acceptance in our case is showing someone's is showing someone God's love no matter what. Because everyone is deserving of God's love. The first challenge in accepting others is not to push or is to not push the ungodly away. This is what we heard in Isaiah chapter 55. It is our job to embrace 
and to welcome and to love. It is our job to leave open a path for someone to take, which will not be filled with people making him or her uncomfortable, but with a couple of smiling and understanding souls. Allow the ungodly to be a part of your life. Only remove them if they are being toxic to you in some way specifically. The second challenge is to thirst for God more than anything else. And through that, we will grow closer to God's way. When we tell God that we seek God, we are working on finding out how to inch closer and closer to having God's thoughts. This includes having God's way of accepting people. The psalmist in Psalm 63 prays, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you seek God that much? Do you seek God like you do for the assistant at Walmart because you need help finding something? When you do not find them, you just give up and find the item yourself after walking a few laps around the store. Or do you seek God like you do the mail person? You just wait, peering out your window, waiting for him or her to come to you. You want them to come, but it does not matter that it happens right this minute. Unless you're waiting for that really important package that you're anticipating. But if you seek God like your life depends on it, like you are fainting from hunger and from thirst where there is no nourishing water elsewhere, you are seeking God in the right way. You are seeking God in the right way because there is no nourishing water other than in God. Now, if you are seeking the male person and the phone rings, you will probably turn your attention away from seeking the male person. But if you are fainting from lack of water and you see that source of water, you are probably not turning away from it in order to go answer the phone. That is seeking God. That is thirsting for God more than anything else. As the psalmist continues, your steadfast love is better than life. And as you seek God intentionally, you will learn more things about God. Perhaps we can read the Bible. We will learn more about God's character. We will pray and learn more about God's compassion. We can ask others about how to find God. And we will learn about God's peace. As we are seeking God, learning more things about God, we will learn about God's way of accepting others.
People tell us about how God accepted them unconditionally. God accepted them for who they are. Jesus went to eat with tax collectors and with sinners. It did not matter to him who they were or what people thought of him for doing so. Let us, too, learn about God's acceptance. And let us bring that acceptance to everyone we meet. Remember, acceptance is spreading God's love. It does not necessarily have to be accepting their positions and their background and their customs. It is just extending God's love and mercy and peace. And welcome. Our third challenge is not acting is if someone is not acting like Christ around you, do not just cut them out of your life. So the first challenge is accepting others, and accepting others is not to push the go- not to push the ungodly away. Certainly not the godly either, but don't push the ungodly away. Second, thirst for God more than anything else. And now third, if someone is not acting like Christ around you, do not just cut them out of your life. First, try giving them manner. That's the right pronunciation, right? Farmer's manner. <laughs> manure. 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 I knew there was something wrong with that. Manure. Thank you. <clears throat> try giving them manure. They may just need a nudge. When a plant starts wilting, do you let it wilt? Or do you give it additional ingredients that might help it to grow? Do the same for people. Exercise patience. Many other traits, too, that we can do the same for people and give them ingredients to help them grow. But we'll focus on patience right now. In our gospel reading today, we hear a parable about a man who told the gardener to cut down a fig tree that had not borne fruit for three years. The man said, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put some manure on it. In God's kingdom, thankfully, there is no soil to waste. We should have patience well more than a year. We should have patience with this tree and with one another. Part of our challenge of acceptance is understanding that it may be hard for someone else to see things our way. Or it may take a lot of time, or it may never happen. People may never see things the exact same way that we do. They're all, we're different people. But that is little reason to cut them down, to give them no opportunity for continued growth at all. In our book group, especially when we are reading Whisper by Mark Batterson, 
I recommended that when we pray to God, we leave a moment of silence. That moment is often when God's voice can come through. But even if we haven't heard God's voice in 50 moments of silence, what do we gain by giving up? Absolutely nothing. We would lose much more than we would gain. Lead the horse to water 50 times, even if it does not drink. One time, it just might. And then, once it tastes that water, it may never want to stop. Just like when we taste God's voice in that moment of silence, finally, we will never want to stop. I call this sermon the shadow. This is because as we are doing this business of accepting others, we are doing so under the shadow of God's wings. We do it because God has done it for us. And we are following God's example. We are in God's shadow. We also do it knowing that God is watching over us, feeling his shadow. And we want to do things right. We know that we will be held accountable for what we do here. And we also do it because God's shadow is so large that we know that it cannot cover just us alone. We want it to cover the whole world. Now Psalm 63 verse 7 states, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. The more people underneath that shadow, the more people can sing for joy, and the louder our joy will be. If God has accepted you and has patience and grace with you, don't you owe it to your neighbor? What reason would you have for not paying it forward? In God's shadow, we do likewise as God does. And as God has shown for us, we do as God does and we do as God teaches. Though just as we stand under God's shadow, do you ever wonder who might be in your shadow? Who follows your moves, watches what you do, and tries to do likewise? As we try to watch what God does and do likewise. We also know that what we teach now can change the world's future. It can make the world a better place because as we are following God, other people are following us. If they follow us, then they follow God. It can turn our current trends of declining Christianity around. It can make the future world God's world again. It can embrace God's kingdom. May all glory and honor be to God. Thanks be to God and amen.
Let us remind ourselves of the promise that we have made to Jesus, uh, and let us sing together, O Jesus, I have promised, found in the Worship and Rejoice, number 458, in your inserts. Thank you for joining us here at Zion United Church of Christ Fireside in Bellevue, Ohio. If you would like to reach out to us, we would be thrilled to journey with you on your walk with God. Call us at 419-483-6658 in the United States. Reach out to us on our Facebook page or send us an email at zionunited at gmail.com with any prayer requests or questions you may have. Remember to make time for God and confess Jesus as your way to God to give you hope in this life. May you be blessed by God and be a blessing for another. We hope to see you again.